welcome to Bookphoria Podcast, the place for people who just love to read across genres, subjects, and themes. I'm here to talk to you about what I'm reading, and I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone, welcome back to Bookphoria Podcast. Man, I gotta tell you, it has been some kind of slog through this latest book by Carolyn Kepnes, uh, probably not a great place to start, but here we are. Um, essentially, we are at a place where we see the character Joe basically doing the same old Joe shit that he's been doing. Um, you know, this has been, I don't want to say I don't like it because it's at some point it's enjoyable, but it's repetitive and I feel like whatever dopamine receptor that is into this novelty of like, oh, he's doing it again. He's falling in love and murdering everyone around this person so that they could be together. The novelty's just kind of worn off and it's not even creepy or disturbing. It's just painful to watch at this point. What it really reminded me of is when you have a friend who's self-destructive and then the first few times you feel bad, you're like, oh God, they're so misled, this lost soul. Oh, oh no, I wish I could help. I wish they could just see the truth. I wish they could do something. And then when you come around them doing the hundredth act of self-destruction, you're kind of like, I'm kind of done with it. Like this is, I feel bad, but like this person's just not getting it no matter what, no matter how bad things get. And for Joe, things have gotten pretty fucking bad. He's been, he comes out, minor spoiler alert, he comes out of this first book having left jail, narrowly escaping his murderous past. And I mean, I guess you could say there's some development because he does make a vow to not murder people, but that, that's pretty much the only thing he kind of goes for. And I mean, to his credit, I don't know if he did murder anyone in this book, um, but he does pretty much every other terrible thing a person could do that sets up a murder. I mean, like, I'm not sure what to do with this dude anymore. Can you hear the frustration in my voice over a fictional character? Because I sure can. Essentially, this theme that is like, you know, was fun in the first book and was interesting in the second book, this third book was just a slog. I just like, I had to stop several times because I just got tired of reading it. And there was definitely points where I just thought of putting it down and just saying like, you know what, this is one of those books that's not worth continuing. Um, however, I think it was worth continuing in the end. I, I do believe that. It had its redeeming qualities of seeing Joe somewhat mature, I guess. I don't know. And um, But he's up to his same old tricks. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a bit strange. He has some moments of empathy with his new target, Mary Kay. Or I should say love, not target. But what, what's the difference with him, really? Um, and Mary Kay and her daughter. And it just really feels like, I don't know, he's made some... The author made some kind of attempt to reconcile his past and some attempt to kind of make him a human being with this whole past of having terrible things happen to him. But it was very brief and somewhat shallow. I think just seeing some of his past would make it better. But, you know, I can't tell if that was an artistic decision. Maybe she didn't want that because she did not want you to be able to relate to him at all. And since Joe didn't want to think about it, neither did the author want you to think about it. And she wanted you to keep that headspace going on. Among the more interesting parts of this series, though, was 
the readdition of love in in this um, somewhat larger spoiler coming up. So skip ahead if you don't want to hear anything spazuzu, as they say in the world. Um, yeah, love. Love, love, love. From the second book, last we see, love is taking care of Joe's baby named 40 after her dead brother, which is all sorts of fucked up. In oh, a weird Joe-like attempt, they really are perfect for each other. In a weird Joe-like attempt to get him back, she despite a contract made by her parents to keep him away, invites him to come by. And by invites, I mean she threatens him at the cost of, you know, him being killed, essentially. So he goes, and there we are privy to something very interesting, because in the the beginning of the book, when we're told about how he ended up on Bainbridge Island, this small secluded community, on an island on the west coast we're kind of he kind of tells us that um under gunpoint love made him or love and his family made him basically sign a contract to stay away from her and the baby and he took it because they put a gun on the table and they threatened him um love's story was like a little bit different because what she said versus what he said he was saying how that kept him alive, thinking about where they were going to live and all this stuff. Whereas Love suddenly got the sense, and she's very clever. She's like a very much an equal to Joe in a lot of ways, although in her own way she's, you know, crazy as well. She decided that um, he was not really interested in her anymore. He was only interested in having a baby. He was obsessed with having a baby. It was like something big for him. And as soon as the baby came into the picture, you, uh, she was just relegated to the sidelines. She was, as he, as uh, she very brilliantly put, she was just a piece of Tupperware holding the real goods. And I thought that was such a good line because it really describes Joe in such a good way, like such a solid way where he could just look at someone who he loves, and then everyone around them is suddenly dehumanized instantly. They're either supports or obstacles. They're not a human being anymore. And it's kind of fascinating because um, reading through his eyes for so long, it, it, it's, you know, it's not like, it's not obvious. It's very obvious, but you almost get used to it by the third book. You're almost like, yep, this is how he sees people. But you kind of take for granted the idea that this is how he views people. And then people don't often see that of him, right? They see him as a functioning member of society rather than essentially a sociopath, except for love. Love is very perceptive. Honestly, in a lot of ways, I think the show was much more spot on with this because really love and Joe belong together. Um, they are both destructive in their own ways in a sort of way that's resonant with one another. Um, of course, that is what happens if you watch the show when you put two destructive people together like that, but they were really were perfect in a weird way, not in a good way, in a very bad way, but it was perfect nonetheless. And yet we have basically love questioning Joe's entire narration in his head that he was telling us, because that's all we have. And it really throws a good reminder in there that, hey, this guy's not reliable. We can't really trust what he has to say. Um, all this stuff about him and 
him being cast away and him not being able to reach out and have contact because he just can't is kind of a sack of crap. Not because it's not real that he signed a contract under gunpoint, but because as Love pointed out in her own sick, demented way, if he really wanted to, he would go after them. He he has done such in the past, right? That's his like specialty is he doesn't take no for an answer. That's pretty much his calling card. If you tell him no, he's just going to figure out a way to weasel in, weasel out, murder the people that matter. And Love knew that. She knows him. And so she knew that, or rather I should say, she hoped he would do that to kind of, as a sick way of proving his love. Um, unfortunately, that was not the case, you know. So when she saw that he never made any attempt and attempted to move on instead, with his life on the island of Bainbridge, she was distraught. So that was that was a pretty nice touch, I think. That that might have been that and the ending might have been one of the better things about the novel. Um and as much as I disparage the novel, I mean I, I wanna reiterate, I always do really respect these authors for putting this work out there. It's it's not easy to put your life's work and then to be criticized on like a podcast, even though, you know, this podcast is not super huge. So I'm not like, I don't think I'm threatening anyone really with my criticism, but nonetheless, I would like to, you know, applaud the author's, uh, you know, work here. It's, it's good in its own way. You know, even if it was a bit repetitive, I really felt like she was able to create this world with these characters and Joe is forever going to be a memorable character to me. And it's so interesting because now he's kind of building himself from a character to by the end of the book, he's becoming an archetype, right? I don't like to use the word caricature, as I said. Um, he's very much an archetype of this destructive sense of love and loss and all this, all this stuff that's going on in our time of having to attempt love under the guise of mental illness, you know? Or perhaps I should instead say to express mental illness in the guise of love. I think that's more accurate. Um, other, <laughs> I'm sorry for harping on this right after I said what I said. Um, other characters that I felt kind of were really underappreciated was Oliver, this new character, had all the potential in the world with this poor boys club. And this way that he was hired by the Quinn family to investigate and keep Joe in line, and instead, he used it to exploit Joe for his money that he signed when he got the contract. And it, it was so fertile ground, you know, for character exploration, for a new character to be explored and to, to initiate contact with Joe. But he very quickly just became a money siphon. And at the end, he became, oh, I'm going to not pronounce this right, but a de, de ex machina something like that basically he saves his ass in the end coming out of nowhere is is the point i'm trying to make and i felt like he could have been so much more than that you know he was such an interesting character and he, at the end of the day he's as joe said an angelino just trying to sell a script right he just became a support or an obstacle that's it not a real person um then we have mary Kay, who wow i mean joe has dated some <laughs> terrible women in his time but she, in a lot of ways, was kind of the worst. I mean, it's hard to say because there's, you know, everybody in his life. Beck, love. But Mary Kay is kind of just like, she, God, I hate to say this. She kind of just latches on to a man and just 
is so susceptible to being swayed. Like I, I, I was kind of shocked when the uncle Ivan came to town and first she goes from abusive husband to abusive brother-in-law and basically gets brainwashed. And despite how Joe has been kind of pretty good to her, you know, on the surface, right? Because he's been doing all sorts of shit under the hood. She kind of treats him like garbage. And then he's just like, oh, I'm going to wait and be perfect. You know, I'm going to wait and be perfect. And she just goes through all these phases of like, I mean, granted, she was in an abusive relationship, but holy crap, that is not a good look, especially for someone like when a serial killer essentially is going after you to try to, you know, woo you. And um, you at the end of the day, as a reader, at least I did, felt like, wow, she's not good enough for the serial killer. Uh, he could do better than her. It's like, what the hell kind of weird ass mindset did you put in my head, dude? Like, damn author lady. That's crazy. I can't believe you did that. But nonetheless, terrible, terrible character. Pretty much only redeemable in some ways through her daughter, Nomi. And mega spoiler alert, mega, 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 mega spoiler alert. Do not listen anymore if you are interested in reading. Um... Nomi turns out to have been like basically raped by a side character this whole time that Joe thought was interested in Mary Kay, but instead was interested in his daughter. And that was just like a twist because then she has this whole thing about like being in love with Joe and knowing that Joe loves her back. And that was a good that was a good turn. That was like applaud applaud to the author because I didn't see that coming, but I think it's because uh you know, I was so focused on Joe, like, and his relationship and what he was doing, that I didn't notice all the little, little seeds she planted all over this book. Like she read Columbine, like how Seamus really liked uh, to hire younger girls for his place, about how he was always over, about how she was always in Seattle, she was always gone. And I was just thinking, like, that's kind of crazy, like, all this broken home Nomi came from, it all kind of fit together when you think about it. And it was very obvious, but you're so hyper-focused on Mary Kay and Joe, right? That That's what the book does. Puts you in his head and he's hyper-focused. So in the end, when she's basically saying, not saying it, but it's true that she was raped, but she was saying, you know, that was her boyfriend. And they've been seeing each other since like middle school or something weird. It, it was kind of like a left hook that you didn't see coming at all. And then same thing for Joe, right? Because it's a left hook for him too. He finally has his happy ending and then bam, the daughter of the woman he loves is now hitting on him and he is not sure how to like keep her away because she's getting very aggressive. And it seems so precarious, but his, his love story seems like it's finally coming to an end. And really the darkness is kind of just beginning for him. And then... On top of that, right as she starts to become aggressive physically, uh, I should say sexually, guess who walks in but Mary Kay. And we have this crazy bananas ending where I won't say anything more, but Joe somehow ends up in Florida of all fucking places where he's just like, I'm going to just get what I deserve, Florida people. And this kind of bothered me a bit because it was kind of, it felt like lazy writing, to be honest with you. He just, like, left Mary Kay, like, disposable person, because she, you know, ends up in a coma for various reasons. And then he just leaves. He doesn't even, like, stay by her side. 
after all this, I'll stay by your side forever type stuff. And like, I don't know, like I get we're supposed to see that he's heartless, but at a certain point, I mean, maybe this is experimental, but I feel like you have to be rooting for him somehow. Like this really made me not want to read the next book. Like it just, it feels like when the entire story, that entire love is so disposable. Why am I bothering to check out what he's doing? Like, I don't really care anymore. He just seems like a terrible person. I don't want to go into his life. Um, maybe there is a, a, I'm sure there's a readership for it. I mean, she's making, she's pumping out these books, but it was not something I could get on board with. It was just like really, it made all that reading that I did feel a little bit like a waste. Like at least in the first and second books, I felt like Joe was earnest. Like he's a sociopath, obviously, but he's earnestly going for love. And in this third book, I suddenly feel like, no, I think he's treating everyone as disposable even his targets that I thought he loved and were not disposable because he stuck with them through thick and thin, suddenly it feels like it was a much shallower connection than I had given previously. So perhaps it's fitting that he ends up in Florida with a very interesting concept that I would love to explore on a separate podcast, perhaps. The Empathy Bordello, a bookstore and bar combination. And I got to tell you, if another book comes out, uh, I'm unlikely to read it. I would still recommend the show. The show does a fabulous job of all this, mostly because they make him likable, right? They make him believably likable. Like he still does a bunch of terrible shit, don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, he has redeeming qualities. He has this sense of wanting to get better. And there's just a sense that you should care because he's still human underneath all that terrible behavior. Um, so I would recommend the show, um, would not recommend the books. It didn't, I hope someone gets some joy out of it. Um, I really slogged through this last piece. But in other news, the next series I will be talking about will be City of Miracles, and it will be the ending of that, I don't know what it was called, Bulikov Trilogy, something like that. It's like, you know, Gods in the Continent. That one's pretty good. That one's a very interesting story. Definitely recommend, but um, I'll let you know once I finish on the next podcast. And until then, happy reading, everybody. <laughs>